Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Hey, podcast listeners, it's your friend Greg Tepper. Thanks for listening to the Texas Football Today podcast. We just finished our seven-hour, 1,000th episode spectacular, but instead of giving you one seven-hour podcast, we're going to break up the show into seven podcasts that are each about an hour long. This is hour number five, which features an interview with Southwestern quarterback and 2018 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year, Landry Gilpin, an interview with Baylor legend Don Troll, an interview with Bill Oakley, writer and showrunner for The Simpsons, and my subsequent freakout about that, and much, much more. And by the way, we are leaving the donation portal open for a few more days at texasfootball.com slash give. So if you'd like to donate to Texas Food Banks, we would really appreciate it. Okay, enjoy the show. I think we got another guest. You're not wrong that we have been on a running back heater, but we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to take on a uh, our next interview is with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Our most special RGV boy, Mr. <gasps> Landry Gilpin, the Whoa! quarterback for Southwestern. The, the 2018 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year, Landry Gilpin. <laughs> Landry, what's going on, dude? Hey, Mr. Tepper, how are you? I'm doing great. Don't call me Mr. Tepper. It <laughs> no, makes keep me doing feel it. old. Keep doing it. Golly. <laughs> Dude, how you doing? I'm doing great. I've been a little boring over here in quarantine, but it's been okay. <laughs> doing yeah. fine. So uh tell me, you know, tell me your your situation. What's been what's been going on with you over the past uh I don't know, I guess six months or so with uh with everything shutting down. What's what's been your situation? Um, we're just at home. Uh, we have the whole family here, so we're doing okay. We have company, but as far as football workouts and stuff, everything got kind of slowed down. We do get a, get to go to the high school, get a few workouts in and stuff, but we're going to, um, they moved our football season into the spring. Mm -hmm. So that kind of pushed everything for us. So a lot of our workouts are going to start being, um, not so consistent and not so like back to back and stuff. So we're going to be going to spring ball and that's going to be different for everybody, but we're looking forward to it. Well, I guess that's kind of my, my next question is, is I think that there was some writing on the wall that this could have been coming, uh, that you guys could be moving to the, to the spring there with the uh, American Southwest conference moving, moving uh, to, to the spring. I'm interested in, in kind of your reaction. This is going to be, you know, you're a guy who, you know, whenever you play football, you play football in the fall. Uh, what, what do you think about moving to the spring? What are, what's your reaction to that? Um, at first it was kind of a shock. It was, I didn't really know how to take it. I'm so used to playing in the fall. So used to doing everything then having our year on a specific time wave and everything. But I think in the long run, it's going to prove to be beneficial because we are getting some new install. We're going to be able to practice with the guys, build up some chemistry, and we're going to be able to do things together and have more time to do it rather than having to learn it from home and kind of get your own feel on the game or on the playbook from home so we're going to be able to run stuff together longer we're going to be able to work out more we're going to get the new guys in the freshmen into the game plan and stuff so we'll be able to do all that before the season even starts so i think it's going to be beneficial in the long run well and you were speaking of freshmen you were you were a freshman there at uh at at southwestern last year uh we were we were just we were banging on the drum around here put landry in put landry in uh you got some you got some game time there in uh in in in, in um in a few different games there um I'm interested in in how you feel like your freshman year went uh and and, and what you what you were able to accomplish uh, it's definitely tough getting hurt. Mm-hmm. That was the worst part of it. But to be able to go out there and 
feel the same way. I didn't know how it was going to happen because I didn't know if I was going to be able to play at the same speed or be with the guys right away since it was another level. And to be able to go out there and feel comfortable doing what I was doing and to even have some success in one of my games before I got injured was awesome. It felt great. It felt like exactly where I should be and where I needed to be. And so I'm really kind of itching at the sleeve to go back and get ready for my next season and hopefully I get to stay healthy throughout the year and see if I can do something special. Uh, we're talking with Landry Gilpin, quarterback at Southwestern and our 2018 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year here on Texas Football Today. Get involved with the conversation, hashtag TF Today. Uh, speaking of your injury, uh, how are you feeling? Where are you in, in the rehab process? How are, you, uh, how, how, how are you progressing? I'm 100% healed already. I went Good. back to my surgeon. We talked about it and he said that I was at 75 when I went to go see him, but just strengthening and going back to regular weight lifts and stuff, I can get back to 100. And that was about two months ago. So I've already been lifting for the past two months and strengthening up my knee. And I'm, if not 100, more than 100. Good. And I'm feeling great again. I'm able to run top speed. So that's that's fantastic. You know, of, of course we're we're biased because we're rooting for you around here. But I I, <laughs> I must um I I must ask about kind of that transition. You know, we, I hear all the time from 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 guys who 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 are um who go from high school to college, and and you're moving from you know playing in in, in really tough uh, football down there in the Rio Grande Valley to playing you know in a really tough conference in the American Southwest Conference, playing some really good teams there in Division Three. Uh, what to what do you think is the biggest difference there between between um, between the, what you were doing in high school and, and now what you're doing at, at the college level? I think definitely the understanding of you're not playing just the cover two anymore. You're not playing just little base defenses that high school teams run because not everybody can pick up on it very fast. So you're running more complex defenses. You're seeing different coverages. You're, you're having to read different things at the line. And a lot of it is the speed of the game too because now you're playing more athletic guys who – can disguise coverages, can disguise looks, and that's definitely a big part of the game. And so learning to do that and learning to pick up on tendencies goes back to film study. And so you have to watch more film to be able to prepare for the week you're going into. And so a lot of that's the biggest part of the transition. There's little things, but those are the huge ones. Uh, I want to ask you about you know we 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 named you our Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year uh, and and I guess the I guess the last time we talked was when we were surprising you with the uh, with the award I think that's the last time I talked with you uh, yes, now that it's had time to sink in it's had a couple of I guess a couple of years to sink in uh, uh, what what did it mean uh, to represent to become the first Rio Grande Valley player to uh, to receive the, the highest award in Texas high school football. Man, it was huge. It was just huge for our city and huge for my school. And the impact really landed on the Valley because now it pushes where people that were younger than me, the guys coming up from the junior high, now they can start looking at going into college and playing football because of the exposure that y'all gave us. And that's awesome. Just to be able to do something that kind of put us on the map and gave us a little more exposure than what we were getting is just awesome. And it's just unbelievable what y'all have been able to do for us. And Landry, we, we, can't not ask you this how's your dad doing yeah i was actually my question <laughs> my, my question was going to be i know you're at home with him <laughs> so is he driving you nuts he um he just was telling me all about it this meeting he was getting me ready he was like you need to take a shower <laughs> wake up a little bit you need to just focus in and get ready and um so he's excited he's always excited about football he's talking to me about it every day telling me how beneficial he thinks the spring's going to be and so He's still there. He's jumping at the gun to get back to his season because it's getting pushed back a little bit for us. And so he's um he's ready, man. You guys know him. Yeah. Yes, we do know him, and and that's that's why I wanted, and dressed you know. in all blue, well, nonetheless. Cause, cause that's yeah, he's dressed in all blue right now. Because that's the thing is that like you go off to college and it's like oh okay like I'm kind of I'm kind of free and then like you come back and you you come back home for good reason stuff like that, and now like. I don't like. I don't know. I, I I feel like moving back in with your parents. You're just like, oh man, dad. This is especially, especially your dad, whom we love. It's like, yeah. It's oh, well, who's, it. who's driving who? Land is that perfect. Who's driving who more nuts? Are you driving him more nuts, or or are you, or is he driving you more nuts? No, we're we're on a good base. He <laughs> he stays in his room. I stay in my room. We'll come out <laughs> meet in the kitchen and laugh about some stuff, but. 
We're good. We're not at each other's necks or anything. All right. <laughs> so you guys. Um, so now the, the you know our football season's getting moved to the spring. That gets you more uh, opportunity to 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 heal up a hundred even more hundred percent, which is which is fantastic. And then also uh, improve your game. What's what are you working on specifically this off season to really take your game to the next level? We're hoping to install some pass plays um upcoming, kind of what the Ravens are doing with the mobile quarterback and stuff. And so we're. I'm looking at being able to obviously read new coverages and learn as much as I can on that, but also to get back to my rolling out because that was one thing that was hard to transition back into from my injury was to be able to move laterally and still be focused on throwing rather than is my knee going to buckle and stuff. So that's one thing that I'm trying to get back into. And hopefully with my brace and with my sleeve underneath and everything, everything will still feel stable. And I can get back to doing it like that, but definitely reading coverages and my rollout. Uh, and finally, Landry, uh, you know, you you obviously lit the world on fire down there at Mission Veterans Memorial. A big reason why we made you Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year. When you think back on your on your high school career, is there one play or is there one game that you think back and you're like, all right? We were talking with Jonathan Gray just before this, um, and, and we asked him kind of the same question. Is there one play that you're going to be like, that's the play I'm going to tell my my kids about? Like whenever you when you know, well, take your time on that. I'm not rushing into that, but you know, <laughs> is there one of those is there one of those plays that you're gonna you're gonna be like that? Yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> um, game wise, definitely the third round that we had Matt Step go down and watch and had him <laughs> tweeting updates after the game was awesome. But probably during that game was the only play that I ever felt like starstruck and lost in the moment. Couldn't even really feel my legs. I was just it was our last touchdown play, kind of letting us know that we sealed the game off and that we were going to head to the fourth round and. We had talked all week about it, man. If we can get to the fourth round, we're going to be special. Like, nobody's done that in a while. Like We're going to be that team. And So understanding that as I'm running kind of just killed all the feeling in my leg, and I was just going <laughs> and running on like pure will and everything. And so I wasn't even tired or anything, but it was just the fact that it was such a big moment and it was such a big play that as it was happening, it was just unbelievable, and I couldn't really – do it and I've never felt like that in the game I've always felt just focused and zoned in and not really taken over by the moment and so that's definitely going to be one of those plays that I can tell my kids about tell my family about just kind of like the game or the play to seal things off He's Landry Gilpin. He's the 2018 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year from Mission Veterans Memorial and quarterback for the Southwestern Pirates. You can see his fine work coming up this spring when Southwestern gets back on the mm-hmm. field. Landry, man, it's great to hear from you. Uh, all the best. Uh, uh, congratulations on, on, on all your success so far, and we're, we're looking forward to seeing you back on the field, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. It's nice to hear from you guys. Bye, Landry. There he goes. Bye. Landry, Landry Gilpin. Awesome. Those Gilpins, man. I our love most, those guys. <laughs> most special Rio Grande Valley boy. Oh, I love those ah, guys. Ah, the most special. You know what's That's funny, too? That was, a, that was a Shahan idea, our college football insider. You know what? He knows he what's knows. up. He knows the way to my heart. He knows what's up. He knows up. the way to my heart. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Landry Gilpin, the 20 uh, – that's that's two – that's back-to-back Mr. Texas Football Players of the Year. Because yes. we had 2011 yeah. Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year, which was Jonathan Gray. And then, and 2018. then we had 2018 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year uh, with Landry Gilpin from Rio, from Mission Veterans Memorial. Talk about two of them that have aged really well so far. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, look, that's I'm sorry. that that I, I know I've, I've said this before, but it's been a minute um, about Landry, choosing Landry Gilpin to be our Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year. Um, we were we kind of held off on the decision of putting of of naming somebody our Mr. Tech Football Player of the Year. We had about three or four really good candidates, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. that year. And um we were we were thinking and we were like, you know what? Let's just hold off one more week. It was before the regional semifinals mm-hmm. and Mission Vets was playing champion someone um they were playing a, a, a there it was it was Valley Week. Mm-hmm. It's the week that the Rio Grande Valley tends to lose plain and simple and sure enough like you know we, we were able to uh, we named him mr tech football player of the year certainly certainly deserving we were and and then he goes off to uh to southwestern and he got in and then uh, you know he he he, he hurt his knee which was uh you know not fun mm-hmm. but he was able to get get some playing time as a freshman and now i mean you know uh, thank uh, thank god for small blessings it's like you know it's weird that that they're gonna play in the spring but it's like right it gives him even more time to rehab and make sure he's 100 100 well and on top of that they said that or he said that they were kind 
kind of switching around their offense yeah. a little bit to seem like to fit a perfect scheme. The other thing, too, is if you enjoyed that that interview with Landry right there, we've got – when I went down to the RGV earlier – I guess it was this year. It seems like decades ago, but uh, I have a little story about uh, Landry and, and his father, who was his coach, and it's it's really cool to listen, especially when he was talking about that third round game where they knew they were moving on. That story is really cool. That's up on our YouTube page too. Hi guys. So apparently we just we went off Facebook there for a second, um, but we are back. So you may need to open up a new a new video window, but it should have come back. I think we just you know I think Zuckerberg kicked kicked us off because we're being too awesome there you know it's, it's got a limit on, on the amount of awesome that you can do so anyway um we appreciate landry gilpin for being our guest awesome 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 uh, always great to hear from him uh i'm i'm i as you can tell i'm a i'm a big fan of of landry gilpin so uh, appreciate his time a little bit uh today we are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking Football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com slash give is where you can donate to our, uh, we're raising money for food banks across the state of Texas. If you donate $10, you are entered to win a variety of different prizes, including uh, a VIP experience at the state championship games, a $500 gift card to Sprouts Farmer's Market, all sorts of good stuff. Um, and we'll read your name on the air. So sorry for the glitch there. We are we are there for the, uh, we're back on the thousandth show here. Uh, but uh, we've had, if you're just joining us, here's the list of who we've already had on the show. Okay, ready? Rickland Holmes, UTSA coach Jeff Trailer, New Orleans Saints uh, linebacker Craig Robertson, uh, former Cy Fair star and Michigan and Rice running back and Olympian Sam McGuffey, uh, Shahan J. Raja, Max Thompson, Craig Way, Matt Stepp, Jonathan Gray, uh, we just talked with Landry Gilpin. Now we've got an even n- another huge guess. How about a two-time consensus All-American and a college football Hall of Famer? Let's go from the Baylor Bears, Don Troll. Sean J. Raja caught up uh, with Don Troll earlier this week. Here's our conversation on TFT 1000. We're joined now by a very special guest, Mr. Don Troll. Don, how are you doing? Doing good, considering the circumstances with all this uh, corona going around. You know how that is. I'm sure it's not as bad as in Waco as it is in Houston. Yeah, yeah, no no question. Well, please stay safe out there. But for people who don't know, uh, Dontrell, the original greatest quarterback in Baylor history, College Football Hall of Fame member, uh, again, Baylor Bear quarterback in the 1960s. So, you know, first things first, uh, you know, how much has football changed, especially at Baylor University, since you were playing in the 60s? Well, we actually changed it up quite a bit when John Bridgers came in from the Baltimore Colts my freshman year. He was a new head coach, and he had been a line coach at the Baltimore Colts when Unitas was there, and they played the Giants for the World Championship. And uh, he brought the pro offense to Baylor, and uh, – so we started throwing the ball a long time before everybody else did. Right. Well, and and for you, I, I mean, you mentioned uh, you throw for m- more than 4,000 yards in your career, which is kind of unheard of really at that time. Uh, you know, how did you prepare yourself to, to play in such a pass-centric offense? Well, uh, fortunately, I went to high school in Oklahoma City, and we had a coach that was very innovative, and we – we ran, I guess you could call it almost like the run and shoot before the run and shoot was around. We, we, we ran a multiple offense. We ran a little single wing and then a, and then a spread or shotgun as you Bill Walsh installed. And, uh, I, I'd been throwing, I threw like, I'm trying to remember. I threw like, uh, I think 24 touchdown passes my senior year of high school. And, uh, so we, we threw the ball quite a bit, 10 games. And then back when you were talking about 4,000 yards passing at Baylor, that was when freshmen weren't eligible. So that was in three years, which uh, was really unheard of. You know, now everybody's breaking everybody's record every year. Of course, they're getting four years, you know, so it's it's a little different. Sure. Well, and what do you remember most about your time at Baylor? Obviously, you guys won multiple bowl games. You guys were very successful over that period. But what do you remember most from that time? Well, a couple of things. I remember, and I probably learned more about the passing game from Raymond Berry, who was a great all-pro receiver in Pro Football Hall of Fame and Texas Sports Hall of Fame, Raymond Berry. 
came in the spring off season. He was real good friends with Coach Bridgers when Coach Bridgers left the Colts and came down. And uh, he helped us with our passing game for, I guess, I was three springs while I was there. And I remember that. That was probably the biggest advantage we had over somebody that didn't know the passing game. And Raymond was involved with it and was still actively playing in the football season for the Colts at that time. And then I remember our bowl games. We, uh, I was fortunate enough. I redshirted my first year uh, after my freshman season. It would have been my sophomore year. And uh, we went to the Gotham Bowl, which a lot of people wondered why we went to the bowl game. But we were a very exciting offense, and we had one of the best backs in the nation in Ronnie Bull played Utah State up in uh, Ebbets Field in New York. And uh, they were 10-0 and 0 and were leading the nation in offense. And we beat them 26-19. And I started that game because they had a two-quarterback system, and I was the third one, Ronnie Stanley and Bobby Ply. And one of them had gotten hurt. And then the other one was playing defense. So I started the game and had a real good game. And uh, – we beat them 26 to 19, I believe. And they, they hadn't lost a game, which was a big upset. And then I year, I got to travel with the team the year before to the Gator Bowl uh, down in Jacksonville where we played Florida and had a chance to win the game. At the end of the game, went for a two-point conversion. And Ronnie Goodwin was one of our outstanding receivers that came in with me as a freshman. And uh, they threw a little quick out for two, and it unfortunately just skipped off of Ronnie's hands. And we had a chance to win that game. And then we – probably one of my better games was when I was a senior, and we played LSU down here in Houston in the Blue Bonnet Bowl. And uh, they were ranked like 12th in the nation and had the Chinese bandits defense at that time. It's what they were known as, and we ended up sneaking out 14 to seven and won that game. Good way to end my college career as far as Baylor. Yeah. Well, and for you, obviously you were elected to the college football hall of fame. I mean, what kind of honor was that? Well, it was a very outstanding honor for me. I was very humbled by it. Uh, Archie Manning, who I've become good friends with since that time, uh, called me on the phone I get a little choked up <laughs> <laughs> but at that time hardly anybody was throwing the ball back when I played and I got in my last year you have 50 years of eligibility after your senior year of college and I didn't think I was going to get in and so in 2013, which was 50 years from 63, my last year, I was able to get in. I got in with a great class, uh, Orlando Pace, uh, uh, Vinny Testaverde, uh, the great linebacker that played with the New England Patriots, uh, Brusicki, and, uh, you know, just a bunch of great guys. And they have stuff on going we were able to be the following year we were honored at the sugar bowl when uh, oklahoma played and i believe i think it was alabama they upset them and uh, they have a big golf tournament every year down in atlanta if anybody ever gets to atlanta it's probably the best kept secret in the country they need to go to the college football hall of fame it got moved about uh 10 years ago and it's really uh a, a, a jewel diamond jewel in the rough uh it's it's uh history of college football and it's just got an outstanding to play display and when you go in the main entrance is split level goes up and it's open with a wall and it's got every helmet on that wall of every ncaa football team and they have a attendant it's maybe a guy maybe a girl when you walk in and you say well where's the baylor helmet and they push a button and it lights up so it was, it, was, it was an honor that uh, I didn't think I was going to get. So that made it more special. And um, 
then the following year, I got put in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame there in Waco, which uh, is also a great honor for me because playing, being from Oklahoma and playing in Texas uh, is uh, means a lot to me. Of course, as everyone says, and I'm being very sincere about it, you couldn't do it without the coaches and without your other teammates. I had, I had some pretty good receivers. Of course, Lawrence Elkins, everybody knows Lawrence. And uh, he overshadowed several others that uh, James Ingram, Ken Hodge, Bob Wolf, James Rust. Uh, and we threw quite a bit to the backs too, which kind of was unheard of back in 63 in the college football game. Well, and, you know, when you watch college football today and even pro football, uh, you know, are there any specific concepts or, or anything like that from the offense that John Bridgers brought in that you kind of can point to and sort of be like, that's something that I feel like we kind of brought to the Southwest Conference? Well, I don't know that we brought it to the Southwest Conference. Um, it's just now, I think more so from the pros, when they started running the run and shoot and the Bill Walsh offense and everything, teams started doing it. And of course, Art Bryles probably did as much for it coming to Baylor than anybody with, uh, with his mindset and his philosophy on offensive football. Uh, one thing that we did, which some teams are doing now, we should do more. I, I, I've had a highlight film from 63, and I, I just had it put on a disc and was looking at it with my children and grandchildren the other day. They had they didn't ever see me play or anything. And uh, <laughs> we always had an automatic, what people would call a hot receiver before hot receivers were known, so to speak. Anytime we had a pass play, the tight end or slot man, when, he, when they were running a, a pattern, a pass pattern, the play was a pass. As I dropped back, if I saw linebackers out of position or everything, they were always supposed to take a look back at the quarterback as they left the line of scrimmage. And we probably completed, I bet you, 50 passes during the year just off hot receivers like that, which uh, is uh, a testament to Coach Bridger's co coaching and also Raymond Berry, what we did, and we were able to – Got us out of some funny situations. Well, you know, obviously, when you were playing at Baylor, Dave Campbell was just starting this magazine. Uh, you know, what do you remember from uh, from working with Dave back in the day? And, and, you know, what do you kind of – do you have any stories about him over the years? Well, I do have a story. He probably won't like me telling it. <laughs> but uh, in 63, uh, it came down. We had won all our conference games, and Texas had won all our conference games up to that point. So we were to play Texas and Austin. Uh, and virtually they were calling it to, for the championship because we only had a couple of games left, one with Rice and one with SMU. And uh, we won those, which everybody thought we would win, and Texas was the same way. And uh, Dave Campbell, of course, had had what they call Dave's crystal ball, was always in the paper on Friday, and he made his predictions for the Southwest Conference. And uh, kind of – PO'd a bunch of us when he came out on Friday and said Texas was going to beat us 50 to nothing on Friday. <laughs> that was his crystal ball, which I'm sure Texas didn't like it because it kind of motivated us, for lack of a better term. And uh, But uh, they did beat us, but only 14 to 7, and it was uh, it was a heck of a game. Uh, had a couple of passes I wish I could have back, but uh, I had James Ingram open in the end zone in the third quarter, uh, we went up and down the field. If you look at the stats, we outgained them and everything, but we just couldn't get it into the end zone. And uh, in the third quarter, James Ingram, I scrambled around, and he was open in the end zone, and they had lost coverage on him. And I was getting ready to throw him the pass. And as I started to throw it, Staley Faulkner, who was an all-conference defensive tackle for Texas, jumped up in front of me. So I double-hitched and stepped up and threw it which sometimes you got to wash the ball to sail on you. It sailed about three feet over Ingram's head, standing there by himself. And Jim Hudson was a great safety for Texas and also with the Super Bowl New York Jets with Namath when they won it. And I used to kid him and all, bless his heart, he's deceased now. But uh, he said, oh, I had him covered, Truel. <laughs> you look at the film and Hudson's seven yards away from him. He didn't have him covered. I just overthrew him. And then, of course, the – Last offensive play we had of the game with about a minute left, uh, 
threw one deep to Elkins and it's a funny story. Duke Carlisle intercepted a great interception. The pass was on the money for Elkins, but Carlisle had been substituted the play before. Some guys played both ways, but Carlisle was a great athlete. And Daryl Royal, got to give him credit, he sent him in for Hudson on that play uh, just as a weak safety. And as it turned out, I talked to – I didn't talk to – I talked to somebody that knew Duke, and Duke had said his job that particular play was to cover Ken Hodge, our tight end. Had he covered him, it would have been a touchdown because Elkins ran an out and up and – Cornerback went for the out, and Elkins was wide open. But Carlisle came in, so Hodge, unfortunately, fell down at the line of scrimmage. He got jammed. And so Carlisle made the statement and said, Coach Royal said, if your man doesn't come up, come out for a pass route, know where Elkins is, and go to him. And so Carlisle immediately turned and ran to the, as it was, our left sideline, their right sideline, and uh, made barely made an interception, which uh, – the interesting part of that, had we scored, people always say, well, what would you have done seven to six for the conference championship? I would have said kick it because the tie, we would have gone. The team that has last been to the Southwest Conference Championship go in case of a tie. And uh, But anyway, it didn't happen. So everybody speculating on what might have happened. But anyway. <laughs> well, the great Don Trello, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, stay safe out there. And Ashley and Greg, back to you guys. Great. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank there is Don Troll, the college football Hall of Famer, two-time consensus All-American, joining us from Baylor. Appreciate Shahanji Raja doing the interviewing there. Uh, super, super cool to have uh, a guy, legit like one of the most decorated college football players in Texas history, joining us here on the show. Uh, always great to, to talk with. Uh, guys like that, uh, legends like that. One of the greatest players in Baylor history, and of course, a Texas high school, or I'm sorry, a Texas, uh, or I'm sorry, a college football Hall of Famer, a two time consensus All American in Don Troll. Appreciate his time. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com slash give is where you can donate to our charity drive where we are raising money for a number of uh, food banks across the state of Texas. We're going to be reading some donations coming up here in just a little bit. TexasFootball.com slash give. If you give at least $10, then we will um, you'll be entered to win a number of prizes as well as we will read your name on the air. So how about that? So that was Don Troll. We've been on a heater lately. We've had Jonathan Gray. We had Landry Gilpin. Then we had Don Troll. Uh, we have another mystery guest on the phone, correct? We do. This one, a surprise that the DCTF editorial staff has been extremely, extremely excited about. And so much so, I'm not even going to tell you who it is. Tepper, why don't you ask who we, uh, who okay. we have on the phone with us? All right. Um, hello, mystery caller. Who are you? Hello. Would you like to guess? Boy, well, I like to guess. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> you don't have to guess. I'll tell you, but uh, either way is fine. Go ahead and tell me. Uh, well, uh, my name is Bill Oakley. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, it's you may know me from various animated out, out uh, outings as well as various Instagram. Oh food my stuff. gosh! It's Bill Oakley from The Simpsons, from Mission Hill, from Instagram fast food like uh, reviews. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, Mr. Oakley, it is uh, it is an, a legitimate honor. This is ex I'm I'm so glad you're so excited because you know I don't I don't get that very often, oh, well, and I'm delighted that I'm delighted to be able to keep it a surprise. Well, those people are wrong, and they should be excited <laughs> to talk to you. Um, Okay. Tepper lives and breathes The Simpsons. I'm going to give him oh, a minute wow. to catch his breath here. Oh, uh, my God. But my heart is Mr. racing. Ugly, he is, my, this is my genuine. My heart is racing. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I have I have so many questions, uh, but but I also don't want to go full Chris Farley show on you and just say remember. That. Okay. So, I want to start with what I've seen from you lately, which is your fast food reviews. You have some of the most uh, I I would say you have some of the most engaging content in um in on Instagram right now with your uh, with your fast food reviews. How in the world did you come up with that idea? 
uh, I guess out of sheer boredom, perhaps. Um, I, I always have had a lot of strong opinions about fast food, and not just fat, you know, I've actually been branching out during this pandemic because I haven't been going out for as much fast food. I've been doing a lot of home uh, stuff, like making my own homemade Arby's and things. Anyway, uh, I always I always had strong opinions about this stuff, and eventually I just decided to move it from Twitter onto Instagram, and uh, it kind of took off. Like, I didn't expect anybody to really care, but I think the fact that um, I was brutally honest about a lot of stuff, and also the fact that the videos are really short, uh, kind of made them popular, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, I think, much like fast food, you can consume them very quickly, uh, although, unlike fast food, they do not tend to make me ill. <laughs> uh, Very good. That's something that, that that I've noticed. Is is there is there something that is there something that you've reviewed lately that you would maybe not recommend to the masses? Because generally, you're pretty positive about most things. But but is there anything that you've you've reviewed lately that you would not recommend? You know, it. There, I haven't had a lot of. There hasn't been a lot of exciting new stuff in the fast food world due to the pandemic. So I have not been having a lot of fast food. I don't have any great um, things except, you know, I just say, as usual, I would caution you to stay away from Burger King um, unless unless you like unless you order the Whopper, which in general remains pretty good. Um, I haven't had a lot of actual. Um, I haven't had a lot of real train wreck stuff this year so far. <laughs> Thank God. Well, that is good. That that means you're living you're living right. We're talking with Bill Oakley. Uh, okay, yeah. Tepper's We're talk- still freaking out. I am. I'm, I'm still kind of freaking out a little bit. Um, I've uh, obviously a lot. Of, uh, I think most people would know you from uh, from your time with The Simpsons, both as a writer and a and a, a showrunner. Um, you you had your hand in a lot of the the most iconic episodes in in Simpsons history. Obviously, that's a, a show with a, a a long history. Is there is there one or two episodes that you are particularly proud of that you say, yeah, that's the one that I hang my hat on? Uh, I, yeah, I, well, I would say I'm probably most proud of uh, 22 short films about Springfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the Frank Grimes episode, I think. Uh, although there's a lot of ones that I that I that I like. Uh, if I didn't like them, I wouldn't have done them. So, <laughs> you know, I'm. But those two, are, I think, are the ones that have stood out, and also the ones that have seemed to have gained the most traction over time. Like at the time, I don't know how beloved those episodes were, but uh, over the past 20 years, they've they certainly gotten a lot of internet love. It, it seems to me that like you 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 mentioned Homer's enemy and and the, the Frank Grimes at the Grimy episode and that seems like a perfect example of a show that the internet has really Im- or a perfect example of an episode that the that the internet has really embraced and I think that at its core like I don't know I appreciate it as a really meta episode right where yeah. it's, you you're kind of diving in and at that point the Simpsons had been had been really popular and 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 then like you're kind of almost talking to the audience and saying yeah we know we get it too like we understand like he is this dumb guy it shouldn't work for him but it does um that that to me strikes me as the perfect kind of episode that um that that the internet can 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 latch onto and maybe gain popularity I think that's true I think that was an episode for fans where it was it is as you say it's a meta commentary on the universe, and if and you just you can't probe. It's kind of like uh, the Large Hadron Collider. You know, if you're going to probe too, you can't get too far into the ma- makings of the universe without causing some trouble. <laughs> and so, Frank Gimes was just not willing to stop poking around the edges of the universe, and he eventually paid the price. Uh, it's Bill Oakley uh, of of The Simpsons of Mission Hill, which I want to dive into as well. But there's one other episode of 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 The Simpsons that I really want to dive into, and it, it's it's uh, that I know you have a, had a part in, which is Two Bad Neighbors. Two Bad Neighbors. Oh yeah. For those who don't know, Two Bad Neighbors is the episode in which um, in which George uh, George H. W. Bush and Barbara Bush move in across the street, uh, and it of course live uh, ends with a line that that I think about a lot, which is "Say Homer, do you like nachos, and you like football?" Yes. I think about that. <laughs> I think about that a lot, and my wife has probably heard that too much from me. But um, you know, that was—I should, by the way—I you assume you know that that was Nixon, but Nixon died before uh, the, the script was finished. No, I didn't the outline know that. it was Nixon. Wow! It was supposed to be Nixon. It wasn't supposed to be Gerald Ford. Right. It was Nixon. It was. It was supposed to be Nixon. We were going to try to actually really get Nixon, but he died uh, before the script was done. Oh, it was in the outline. It was Nixon. Holy cow! That's that's amazing. <laughs> um, did you, you know, the Simpsons has in at least not been overtly 
political. They have obviously, you know, they've they've been they've not been afraid to kind of uh, go at sacred cows. But I, I did you catch some backlash off of going to a a quote unquote political uh, bent with that particular episode? You know, that was an interesting that's an interesting question because the episode is actually not that political. Like it's basically a parody of Dennis the Menace. Like, I'm not familiar with Dennis the Menace, but it was a comic strip and a TV show uh, when we were growing up. And it was about a little annoying neighbor boy and the old crabby, grouchy neighbor that he bothered all the time. So we basically kind of just took the template of Dennis the Menace and, and put George Bush into it. And the politics were really just around the edges. Like, there were all those jokes about, like, you know, with the Noriega thing and that here's a little something we learned in the CIA and, and calling him a wimp. Like... That actually was – that's just kind of like the frosting on the cake. Mm-hmm. So and in this answer to your question, no, we did not get in any trouble. Nobody was paying any attention <laughs> back then <laughs> to the stuff that we did. And, and also that's how we got to do that stuff because Fox was not allowed to have any input. And uh, when Josh and I were running the show, we had a blissful huge amount of freedom where we could just do stuff like that. And they had to broadcast it. And it was a rare – that was a rare blessing. Um. I think another, maybe another episode, and we won't just go episode by episode, but another episode that I think that, that uh, I, I find myself rever- referencing a lot is Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, uh, particularly because, uh, again, like the meta narrative of like you guys yeah. inserting, inserting like Roy and inserting like characters like kind of if it ain't broke, don't fix it type stuff. Uh, but needing needing to was that a conscious effort? Was that a, I don't want to say like a shot at the executives, but like was that something that you guys were you know, like were you calculated and being like no we we kind of want to make a stand here about like we we kind of got our own thing going here and it's been really successful maybe leave us alone. Yes, it was kind of a combination of all that stuff that had been swirling around for a long time, including people on the internet back in the early days of the internet. There was all TV Simpsons, which. Um, was where we start, where we got the phrase "worst episode ever" because at that point they thought every episode was the worst episode ever, and <laughs> we we all stopped reading it. So that was like where that came from. But in terms of like, yes, the the let's just say there really was a suggestion around the season five or six that came from a very highly placed source, and it was not an ex- network executive that we had a teenager to the show. And I think we many of the, us on the writers, uh, the writing staff, did not like that idea, <laughs> and yeah, that was a subtle. Um, it was a subtle dig at that suggestion, I guess. One thing, and, and I do want to ask you about Mission Hill because Mission Hill is um, genius, and it oh, did and did not get its due. I have a Mission Hill mug somewhere around here. Uh, I'm 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 a big I'm a big fan. Is it was extremely disappointing to me that it didn't take off because I do think that it was extremely sharp and extremely like smartly written. Uh, was it, was it, I imagine it was disappointing for you that it, that it didn't take off as well because it seemed like it had all the makings of something that could be really, could really catch on. Do, does it ever feel like sometimes maybe you guys were a couple years too early to come around with mission Hill? Yeah, I think that we were a couple years too early and we were on the, in the wrong place because it was not like, the WB network, when it still existed, was not the right place. It was probably the wrongest possible place for that show. Um, and it, it, the is, we sold them the show, they hadn't really gelled as a network, and they hadn't become like the Buffy, the uh, Vampire Slayer, you know, uh, Teenage Girl network. And by the time we got on the air, uh, it was the wrong network. And so it also really was a show. It really was a cable-type show. It, it should have been on cable. It should have been on Adult Swim from the outset. And yes, and I think it was also, it was a little ahead of its time, but it also, I think it was really written at that time for people who, the kind of people who wouldn't be watching broadcast television, Mm -hmm. much less WB Network on a Friday night. No, I think that's, I think that's right. And that's, that's one of the things that that every time I go back and I I watch it, uh, I I have the box set because... I you know that's that's an illness, but um, wow. uh, I, but I, I have the box that I love. Every time I go back and watch it, I'm I'm always thinking like, why didn't this work? And it seems like maybe there were a couple of outside things that were out of your control that I don't want to say conspired against you, but like it was it almost just like the wrong kind of circumstances for that show to work. Then that's a, that's exactly right. It was the wrong place, the wrong time, and the wrong show for that thing. And it, that's you know. They weren't going to keep throwing money down on on Mission Hill when it was not providing the proper ratings for their network. And Uh, it was the wrong network to begin with. 
you uh, we're talking with Bill Oakley. Um, I, I, I'm I'm interested in what you're doing now. Besides fast food reviews, outstanding award-winning fast food reviews. You have uh, I, I'm reading your um, I'm, I'm reading your bio. You've been called the Gordon Ramsay of fast food. Um, besides that, uh, what are you up to these days? Well, perhaps you've heard about the Mission Hill spinoff. Have you heard? Did you see? On, have you heard anything okay. about that on Twitter? Okay, I did, and I thought it was fake. I'll be honest. Uh, it is not fake, but I will tell you, it's a long way from becoming reality. But if you are a fan of Mission Hill, um, we, Josh and I came up with a show called Gus and Wally, yes. which is about Gus and Wally, but it's still, it's still basically Mission Hill, except there's more Gus and Wally than there was in the previous versions. And there's also flashbacks to the old days of Mission Hill. Uh, in any case, we're in the process of negotiating the deal for that. It's taken seven months so far, <laughs> and we haven't made – and we've made progress, but it's just like this kind of thing is a large – the business angle of a thing like this takes forever, so I won't bore you with the details, but I'm hoping that we'll actually get it on the air sometime soon. Sometime soon, being two years from now, probably. Well, I'm going to look directly in the camera, and I'm saying, whoever you're negotiating with, uh, please pick this show up, because I need <laughs> it. I need it very much, because Gus, Gus and Wally were, you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, obvi- I think all the characters are great, but Gus and Wally, I think, had a very special place in... In, in all of Mission Hill fans' hearts, uh, whenever whenever they're watching that show. Okay, um, a couple. So yeah, I'm working on I'm working on that, uh, and I'm working on a show. I have a pilot at Adult Swim, mm. which I am actually writing uh, working on today, and I'm also trying to transform myself into a into um, a food related celebrity. You know, <laughs> so I'm working on that. I have a show. Actually, believe it or not, we're out. Me and a couple of guys from the Food Network type uh, universe are out actually pitching a show that I star in. Uh, so I'm excited about that as well. Uh, a couple more questions for Bill Oakley. What you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to the Simpsons and, and ask you, uh, as a guy who who wrote for uh, wrote a number of episodes, some of the most beloved episodes in, in in the show's history. Did you do you have a character that you just really enjoyed writing? Like somebody that if you could if you could just fit fit that character in, you're like, all right, I know I can do something good with good with this person. Yes, and it was it's Chalmers and Skinner, which is why I wrote that Steamed Ham segment. Uh, I love I love Skinner. I love to write for Skinner because he is exactly like about nine or ten teachers that I had, both Josh and I had, <laughs> in in junior high school and high school. Um, and uh, I love to write for Chalmers because he's the only sane man in town. Um, and that's why I that's why I came up with that Steamed Ham segment, which has gotten so much notoriety over the past. I don't know, four or five years now, um, because I love their dynamic. And I love the fact that Chalmers asks, Skinner lies, and Chalmers asks him these probing questions, but eventually gives up every single time. <laughs> and the difference between Chalmers and Frank Grimes is that Frank Grimes wouldn't give up. And he, went, he wouldn't stop asking the probing questions until he finally died, whereas Chalmers just give, doesn't care enough to bother. <laughs> he asks a few questions, but then gives up. Doesn't probe too deeply. Well, you you brought it up, so I guess I, I was I was going to attempt to go through the entire interview without bringing up steamed hams, but I'll bring up steamed hams because you <laughs> only because you opened the door. I'll it's okay. It's going to be on my tombstone. It will be the number one thing that I remember. <laughs> I'll walk, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'll, walk through, funny. I'll walk through the door with a roar borealis behind me. Um, <laughs> are are you surprised that that has taken? That seems like one of the just smallest, like like strange, very funny. But like one, like it's in a, it's in literally an episode that has twenty two different ep- twenty two different short films. Are you surprised that it's taken off like that in the internet age? Yes, I have no idea why it suddenly why that particular thing took off. Also, like remember that episode, as I told you before, I don't think that episode was particularly beloved. I never heard anything about Steam Hams until about four years ago when it suddenly became this massive thing. <laughs> and I have no idea why it did, but I enjoy it. And I love all the remixes that people do of it on YouTube. Um, there's been so many great ones. And just recently that, like that Lego one that someone did and that one that was like a parody of the aha video that was hand drawn and took the guy a month to do. I mean, like it's, it's genius. And I'm delighted that it was the, you know, it was the one, one of the few things I actually wrote on the show um, solo, and uh, that I'm amazed and delighted that it took off in this crazy way. Uh, and finally, one last question for for Bill Oakley. You know, one thing that that I think that 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 fans of The Simpsons uh, like will always marvel at is the amount of just talent and genius in that writing room at one time. That the amount of just absolute just just brilliant comedy minds in one room at the same time. 
I'm this is me. I feel like they will never see something like that again. I feel like it was it was a it was a you know a, a, a shooting star that you know we'll, we'll never see. Do you think that another show like The Simpsons could ever come along in that way? Simply because it seemed like so many things just just came together through. Obviously, the, the 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 vision of Matt Groening, but also just the amount of talent that they were able to put into one room and and guys they were able to take a risk on. Uh, do you do you feel like we'll ever see an episode or a, a show like The Simpsons ever again? I think we will, but it won't. Ha- it probably won't have the same impact because there's two thousand new TV shows a year now, mm. and back then there were like seven, you know, fifty. <laughs> you know, back in the, back in those days, there were maybe literally maybe there'd be fifty or sixty TV TV shows a year, and most of them were really plain vanilla. Like the sitcoms in that era were really boring, regular old stuff, and The Simpsons really stood out, which is why it became such a phenomenon in, in the early days, because it, there was nothing like it on TV, and. They did draw people. The people that you're talking about, the original writers, were all people who didn't work in TV mainly. They all came from David Letterman and from SNL, and they were under the direction of Sam Simon and, and Jim Brooks, who really wanted to create a show that wasn't like any other type of show, especially an animated show. So it really it was a unique turn of events, and it also was able to get a lot of attention because there was nothing like it, and there weren't that many new TV shows around now. Every every two days, uh, there's a I don't know, probably more than every two days. I would say literally every day there's a new TV show coming out on some thing, and you can't even keep track of them. So like there could be a brilliant show, <laughs> what, there could be a brilliant show that we never heard of that's on Hulu or Crackle or something like that, and with a whole bunch of geniuses. But I don't know that it will get the same attention that The Simpsons got. Uh, it's Bill Oakley. Okay, I, I I lied. I have one more question because I'm on your Wikipedia page, and I, and I forgot that you have you have an Emmy for Homer's phobia. And one yeah. of my favorite thoughts is the idea of someone's first um, someone's first exposure to John Waters being to watch Homer's phobia, and he's you know he's the the, the zap and all that fun stuff, and then like and then they go and 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 they they watch they watch Pink Flamingos. They watch Pink Flamingos, <laughs> right? Um, it, like working with John Waters, like I, I've heard interviews with him talk about what a what a joy that was to to, to work on The Simpsons. Was was it mutual? Was it mutual working with? Yes, him? it was so fun to have him there. He was such. And the thing is, the whole episode was really conceited. Like initially, that episode was two different episodes. There was an idea that Bart that uh, George Meyer had uh, that was like part of what basically contained the. Um, the stuff about the, the gay, the, the whole gay angle, and then there was an idea that Josh and I had that was about Lisa falling in love with campy stuff, mm-hmm. and that was going to have John Waters, and we kind of combined the two ideas into what eventually became Homer's phobia. And since the very, very first day of that Lisa and liking campy stuff idea, we wanted to have John Waters on the show, and yes, we were incredibly excited. I don't think people, the vast majority of people, even knew who John Waters was at that time, but for us. He was amazing because we all seen his, you know, his movies, all of his movies, and I think that was even before, maybe before Hairspray came out, before his original Hairspray what came out. So he wasn't well known. He was a huge treat. He stayed the whole day. Like most people do not do that. Most people don't even actually come. You know, they're recorded remotely. But he came to the studio. He hung out with us the whole day. He was exactly like you would want him to be, and it was a huge treat. So. Yes, I think it was probably his most mainstream, one of the most mainstream things he's ever done, uh, you know, other than originate Hairspray now, which is like the Broadway phenomenon. But uh, it was exciting to be able to bring John Waters to the general public. Well, uh, it, Bill Oakley uh, of, of The Simpsons, of, of geez, everything, Mission Hill, uh, upcoming untitled Mission Hill, Gus and Wally um, uh, spinoff, uh, and uh, and the, uh, the Gordon Ramsay of fast food. Uh, Mr. Oakley, thank you so much. This is, is truly, truly a joy to, to, to speak with you. Thank you so much for your time, and we, we, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you very much, and congratulations on your big milestone. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. There he goes, Bill Oakley. Uh, wow. Do you need, like, an inhaler, oh. some blood pressure pills here? Oh, boy. So, okay, I, I got to get your genuine reaction, though. How, how was that surprise? Because we've been trying to keep this oh. from you for weeks now. So so the thing is, like, you guys had told me there was, like, one interview you guys had lined up that I was – that was that I was going to freak out about. I thought – Like, at least one. And you yep. – yeah. And, and, um, and I've been trying to, like, you going through, like, who could they get? Like, who – 
who could they get? And never in a million <laughs> years would I have guessed you were going to get Bill Oakley. Because the thing, and the thing is, Bill Oakley's perfect to talk to because I, first of all, he's fantastic. And he's got so, like, he's such a, a, a phenomenon right now on the internet with his fast food stuff. And, and then also, not just The Simpsons, but also Mission Hill, which I, I mean it. Go watch Mission Hill. It is an unbelievable show. Uh, that just it didn't get it didn't get the promotional you know in my opinion it just came along at the wrong time as he mentioned it. Uh, wow, yeah. Um, so let's good job, Ish. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna peel back the curtain here. Good we, job, Ish. We Whoa. had something. I think. Who? Okay. I honestly. <laughs> I gotta stand up. <laughs> I oh. honestly, th- I mentioned something about this. I was like, oh, we should get the voice of Homer's or something like that, and then everyone went, Bill, we got to get Bill Oakley. So. Ish goes, well, I, f- I follow him on Instagram. Let me shoot him a DM and just see. Didn't take very long after that. And Ish goes, holy bleep, Bill's in. We've, we've got Oakley. And so I'm not kidding. Like, we, I'm just so glad that that has happened now Ooh. and that he answered because, like, we have been so stinking pumped about that. Everyone in the office knew. And we've wanted to tell you so bad. Mm, my heart. My heart is beating very fast. That's, uh, I know that, like, there's definitely people who are like, what? Like, why? And it's like, you guys just have to, like, like, The Simpsons has just an extremely integral part of my heart. And a guy who was responsible for some of, legit, some of their best. I mean, we didn't even talk about Bar versus Australia. We didn't even talk. I mean, there's a lot of, like, unbelievable episodes uh, that he was not a part of. He did, he did, uh, who shot Mr. Burns? Yeah. Like, huh. Okay, I gotta calm down. I gotta calm down. That was awesome. That was awesome. Good. All the guests have been great. That was that was that was <laughs> that stunned me. We uh, and that was the funny thing I had. Told. And I think it's I think it's funny that he that he began. He's like, oh, well, most people are not that excited to be. I'm like, I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you. <laughs> we uh, oh. we said too. I told the guys I was like, this is exactly why I peeled the curtain back a little bit more. We usually would have started a new segment at 1:45, and I left it as a buffer donations one uh, because I knew that trying to pull you off that interview was going to be nearly impossible. I I just, I have. We hope you enjoyed it. Oh, I did. I enjoyed that <laughs> immensely. Thank you. Thank you to Bill Oakley for joining us. Uh, Simpsons showrunner. Oh my gosh. Like he was, like he was in the same room <laughs> as like Conan O'Brien. Yep. Like when they were putting out heater after heater after heater. Ah, oh. And now he's like review- he's like making Arby's at home. Like he's living the dream. <laughs> anyway, and I read this. I did not know that because I had pulled up his Wikipedia page. I did not know. So his his um his his wife Rachel, she's a Mexican heritage, and in the twenty two short films about Springfield, she wrote the Bumblebee Man segment, which is a great, great segment. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> We okay, do have one down. order of business to attend to before this segment is done. Would you like me to announce it so you can yeah, take, a, take a break? I'm going to take a All right. Hour. So we mentioned earlier you saw the interview that Robel had with uh, Chicken Express, p- proud uh, partners of Dave Campbell's. And we are now, we have the votes in for the winners of the Chicken Express Community Heroes. So this is something that had been going on all throughout last football season, all throughout the school year, and uh, you were able to vote. And now we have our two winners that will be going home with some scholarship money, courtesy of Chicken Express, to continue their education to the next level. And we will go ahead and in two seconds here, because these logos are blocking what Uh. I need to do. All right, so for the first winner, there is one uh, high school girl student and one male student. And the winner of the for the gor- girls is Flatonia's Caitlin Betak. Congratulations. C- congratulations to Caitlin. She'll be going home with that scholarship money courtesy of Chicken Express. And finally, our second one, the male recipient is Hebron's very own Vincent Miller. So congratulations to Vincent and Caitlin, the winners of the Chicken Express Community Heroes Scholarships. 
Congratulations. Yes. Very, uh, very well deserved. That was uh, determined by uh, fan votes as well. So we really appreciate everybody voting uh, there in the for the community uh, heroes of the year. Congratulations uh, to both the winners, the male and the female winner for um, for uh, the winning that scholarship. So congratulations to them. I got to flip the page of my rundown. We're on page two of the rundown now. Yes. And we've got another guest coming up. We do. But we do. One thing I want to do is I want to we got to do some some business. I want to make sure we read some of the um, the comment or the uh, rather the donations. We're up to yes. $2,376. Thank you so much for everybody who has uh, donated. TexasFootball.com slash give. We are giving, we are uh, donating money to uh, ten, nine Texas food banks across the state of Texas from El Paso to Beaumont, Amarillo, down to the Rio Grande Valley, all points in between. Thank you to uh, Vincent Marquez. Uh, thank you very much. Aaron Hardigan, your donation. Thank you very much. Gratefully accepted. Our friend <laughs> Kate Hector. Uh, the, the the press box queen. She chimed in and said congratulations earlier. The press in the box queens. Great to hear from from her. Uh, Papa Bear and Dee Dee Tepper. Uh, thanks, grandparents. Who is that? <laughs> thanks, grandparents. Uh, thank you for your donation. Uh, Molly uh, Dunham. Thank you very much for your donation, Molly. We appreciate it. Dana Boyd. Thank you for donating to Texas Food Banks. Todd O'Neill. Thank you for your uh, food. Uh, your donation. Uh, Roland Stevens. Thank you very much for donating, Roland. We appreciate it. Matt Tepper. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you, man. And finally, uh, Michael Graham. Thank you for donating. If you have donated already, thank you so much. Please consider sharing texasfootball.com slash give. However much we raise, we're going to divide it nine ways, send out nine checks to the nine food banks around the state of Texas. So we uh, we appreciate all of the donations. If you uh, donate $10 or more, you will be entered to win a variety of different prizes. So make sure you, hang, uh, you donate $10 or more to be entered. We will be giving away some stuff in the final three o'clock hour. 